Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees. This podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here at Tennessee Legend Distillery. From country stars and cryptids to everything in between, we will talk about the life in a Tennessee distillery. What's up, Legends? Welcome to Thursday's episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast. And if you tuned in on Tuesday, you caught our first part of our sit-down with Tim Harkleroad, a.k.a. Cousin Timmy, in these parts. And we talked all about his ghost hunting days as well as his haunted house-owning days. Yes, that was very interesting. And the, the correlation that we had had drawn not necessarily correlation but the information the the essence of what each one of those are and how they can be used on either sides of the fence with that Mm -hmm. how you can take your experiences from dealing with actual paranormal things to be able to enhance theatrical paranormal things same way you can take your knowledge of the theatrical paranormal side to apply to being able to provide a scientific non paranormal explanation for paranormal happenings and it was it was it was a very fun first part of the episode mm-hmm. uh, but we still have more absolutely from sitting down with cousin Timmy because not only is he a paranormal investigator researcher haunted house producer extraordinaire mm-hmm. But he is also a Squatch Hunter, mm-hmm. and we were fortunate enough to be able to uh, have him scratch the surface of his exploits into the world of Squatching and mm-hmm. Squatch Hunting. Uh, as you know, this entire month we are focusing on the the spookier side of things, with it being October. Yes. Uh, we, of course, were able to speak with Mike Howard. Uh, earlier in the month an amazement uh with all of the things that he's experienced from an early age as a as a young child uh all the way up to even stuff as recently as the last couple of months uh and of course sharing some of his favorite locations his favorite local haunts as it were and the same thing we got to experience with with cousin timmy but like i said he he has the the additional tools in his toolbox or in in his repertoire as it were uh that he has delved into the world of cryptids yes as well but before we get into that part of the episode and get into the the rest of that interview we do of course want to take this opportunity to let you know that as of the airing of this episode it will be one more day just one more day 
Uh, and it will be Friday the 13th, but that's not the, the main reason that we are talking about this. No. Uh, in the true spirit of this time of season, we are going to uh-huh. be releasing for the first time ever at Tennessee Legend Distillery a pumpkin spice dairy liqueur. Now, if you listened to the episode from earlier in the week or from last week, uh, you would have known that you would have been able to get a sneak preview a sampling before everything fully hit the shelves across our four locations and was fully on market to come into our 66 and at least Newport Highway locations and be able to sample some of that pumpkin spice liqueur before it fully went on sale. And as you're listening to this, you still can. If you're listening to this and you're within driving distance and you drive to a, to our one of our Sevco distilleries, Tell them that Opie and Bilo said, I could taste it a day early. That's right, and they will let you do it. Absolutely. You know, one thing, hearkening back to, to Mike and Tim's conversations, I also really loved how, like, they both have taken different walks within the paranormal. Oh, for sure. And have their different beliefs of what this world is, of what paranormal is, because at the end of the day, we don't know. We still don't know, and that's we the... We don't have any definitive answers to anything. One of the beautiful things about it is because there is no definitive one way or the other mm. or one thing or the other for for this world, as yeah. it were, that there's there's no one to can say and sit there and say that you're definitively wrong or you're yeah. definitively right it's on this. Math. It's not like it's this, it's only this, and this is why it's this. There's like, so much science to it and so <laughs> much theory to it. Except, except for uh, Mike saying that there, of course, is no such thing as, as a, a demonologist. demonologist. Like Zach Baggins. That's not a degree they're giving out these days anymore. So keep that in mind. Uh, but but that's that's one thing that I, I've I've enjoyed about these two separate uh, interviews is they both brought something different to the table, and they both both brought different studies and different mentalities and and just two different things for us to think about as listeners. Even both of their personal beliefs, the use of a medium was was common across just because of the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. of a medium to to the the beyond what our normal grasp yes. of of things is so yes. um however not in the paranormal world we had an interesting story drop yesterday uh that affects our nashville location yes something wild and crazy happened yes um just a couple of nights ago we and you can go on to uh, one of the Nashville or a couple of the local Nashville uh, news outlets online and we we may post the video uh, or the link uh, on our social media sites as well but the Marathon Motor Works building has been uh, was built in the late 18 uh, I think it was 1881 whenever the building was originally built or 1891 something around there I believe it was when there the building was originally built and unfortunately someone decided that they really 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 wanted the ATM machine inside the main entrance there on Clinton Street because they took a 25 foot plus box truck and rammed it into the main entrance multiple times just to be able to get access to inside the building 
proceeded to turn the box truck around and back it up to the same door that they had just ran into repeatedly and took the ATM out of it of course damaging you know rather severely the front of the building um, which hopefully has not suffered any kind of major structural damage or, or has impacted the integrity of the building um, but more than anything else I mean it's just it's just sad that someone has no regard for for history uh, in that capacity uh, much less the the building the building owners the different business owners inside the building or anything like that uh, to, to have done something like that but thankfully none of the individual stores uh, did get affected by that in terms of you know nothing was taken yeah uh, whether it be merchandise or or uh, monies or anything like that yeah. from the individual store locations because that building in and of itself houses some some serious high dollar merchandise in some of those individual stores throughout the mall not to mention the uh, sheer amount of alcohol which i think goes to the lack of intellect in this heist they they didn't know they probably walked by and saw an atm and thought that's it an atm because if 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 you haven't watched Barbershop, the movie, or if you don't know much about ATMs, A, they're extremely nigh impossible to crack, like, on your own terms. Yeah. If you are not, you know... Like, if you don't have the proper tools. equipment. Yeah, tools, equipment. Yeah. And B, they are um, updated, like, with cash, like, multiple times throughout the day. They rarely have thousands A substantial thousands amount of... of yeah. You're not... You're not People aren't putting money into these things. People no, are taking money, money out. out of them. Yes. So, A, that's all they took. A very highly impossible thing to open with our own... Uh, uh, with what tools are readily available to, readily to available. most people. They stole the truck that they used. Yes. From that, that was yeah, something that I didn't mention, that the truck they, that they the used was stolen. The truck is stolen as well. Um, there's cameras everywhere. And, on top of that... You're not being able to retire with your your score. No, like, no. This was this was the low end lack snatching of grab in this 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 robbery, right? Um, and plus, just the lack of God. It's such a beautiful building. Yeah, that's what I was saying. As far that's as just, just the res- such a disrespect of building. history, um, because that was, uh, and they mention it in the in the news report mm-hmm. that this was the only southern production for an automobile until the saturn was produced in the 90s Mm -hmm. everything else of course being uh detroit uh going up into canada and stuff like that into windsor and yeah so i mean to to have full-fledged auto manufacturing in the south up until a certain point being the only one up until a certain point, it's a big and part of our history that they put a put a mark on. Put literally a black eye. Yeah, literally. It'll, it'll take a week or so to, to get that. I mean, it it. Whenever I first saw some of the initial images that were not uh, uh, shown on uh, on the news report mm. and stuff like that, it looked like the front of the building had caught on fire. Like I thought, someone just at a quick glance and the way it looked, I thought someone had thrown a butt in one of the little yeah ashtrays and there were a bunch of butts in there that hadn't been cleaned out and Mm -hmm. it caught fire and the whole like front of the building just went up but no someone took a a massive box truck 
and and repeatedly rammed the front of the building and and took off with with the ATM. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the, there's a, a one shop in there that has has pocket knives, and I'm going to tell you this, and and this is not a jewel encrusted. This is not like belong to some prominent figure it is not made out of you know i mean yeah there might be some titanium or something there with it this isn't but uh, there is a pocket knife (laughs) in one of these storefronts in in marathon village that goes for over seven thousand dollars and they took an atm that at most may have had a couple thousand dollars in it yeah to get them through that day right it's and it's there. It's it's there. Not as much as about um, using cash to buy things within Marathon Village. Is that is a stop off of a lot of tours, mm-hmm. uh, pedal bars, and and, and people are just tours, pulling and money cash. out just pulling of it. Yes. Cash out to either tip a driver or to buy a snow cone. So with it cash. being with it being overnight, it they had they, they wouldn't have touched like it at the end of the night. Yeah. you know, to to refill it. That would have been something that would have been done the next morning. Mm-hmm. Just after the building opened up, mm-hmm. so it's, and, it's very and possible could have had just like, a few uh, hundred bucks, yeah, a couple hundred dollars in there. Congratulations! Yeah, you can get gas for a few weeks. That's that's how I feel like whenever I get it get uh, wasted on a uh, Call of Duty game right mm-hmm. now in like DMZ or Warzone because mm-hmm. whenever someone takes you out, they have the opportunity to be able to take any equipment that you had on you, ammunition, yeah, whatever weapon, uh, body armor, level of body armor, all that stuff. And a lot of times here as of late, because I haven't been playing all that great, I'm going in with like the base stuff. So whenever someone drops me, I'm like, congratulations, congratulations you got nothing. You got crap. <laughs> you get nothing, sir. You, you lose. <laughs> right? I, I full on want to go Willy Wonka. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So other than that, how has your week been? Any Speaking of Nashville, uh, we do have an we event do, upcoming... Yeah. Uh, in Nashville this Sunday evening, uh, for those of you that may not know, it will be uh, the Georgia Bulldogs going to Nashville mm-hmm. for a game Saturday. You can hear all about that over on the Cocky Top podcast site where we do some full previews and breakdowns of all the games throughout the SEC, and we also throw in a bonus game, usually out of the top 25, into that podcast. Uh, but traffic's definitely going to be there in Nashville for this weekend, and we as a distillery are going to be taking part in a private event at the Music City Walk of Fame Sunday evening. Uh, we'll have a tasting bar set up. Folks are going to be able to come by, mm-hmm. sample some of our products, and we're going to have a couple of specialty cocktails worked up that people can come by and enjoy. And we're just going to have fun and hang out with, with folks coming out for this event. Now that is across from Bridgestone Arena and the Country Music Hall of Fame Museum. Yes, uh, so we're definitely going to be experiencing quite a decent amount of foot traffic mm-hmm. going down through that area, and I'm not entirely sure if anyone is going to be playing at that point in time at Bridgestone, uh, apart from the regular sporting events, you know, the Preds and stuff like that. Um, so I'll have to check into that to make sure that we're not going to get too deep of traffic, uh, especially trying to get back home after the event. Well, what home would be for us for the few days, uh, because we do have another happening in the Nashville area um, Mm. with us directly that we can't really get into and probably won't be able to get into into any kind of detail until well later 
either in this year or or going into next year yes um but i can definitely say that there is something that you will you will want to to look out for uh in combination with with some very tan upper northeast uh uh specific area uh, of fist pumping people crazy get wild um, that that should be having a, a fun interaction with some of our staff uh, over at the Nashville location. Mm-hmm. And once we do get some more concrete information as far as to when that might be be viewable uh, um, or when we might be able to, to spread a little bit more information about that, we will definitely get that to you. Absolutely. Uh, but something else we are definitely excited about traveling to the Nashville area for, to our Nashville location, over the next uh, seven days at yeah. this point. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and as you're listening to this, last night we had our, our fall fall festival kickoff with our employees and yes. family members. The fall season has officially begun. Uh Again, as you said earlier, you know, we had the fall kickoff. As you're listening to this tomorrow, Friday the 13th, Pumpkin Spice will be here. Um, so we are all fall, as it is at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Absolutely. Um, chili cook-off. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing some some confection decorating with the kids. Yeah. Um, making some s'mores. Like, it's just, just going to be a fun... we as... The legends of Tennessee Legend Distillery, and, and it's very rare that all four locations get to get together because we're in such different locations. But when the the two here in Sevco get to have kind of a a, a get together, you know, yeah. turn off everything and and just kind of uh, family up a little bit and just talk about things other than work, you know, right? Get to meet each other's family members and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Any chance we get to do that, I think, is what increases the. Um, the, quali- the camaraderie what drives the quality of Tennessee Legend Distillery. Yeah, and, and what drives our legend is that we are constantly looking for ways to um, me- grow closer as as a company. Well, the closer we get as a company, I mean, people will notice that type mm-hmm. of stuff, and and hopefully that type of infectious, you mm-hmm. know, vibe will carry on over to anyone that you know graces our doors to to come in and hang out with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We 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 try to make sure we have good vibes in any and all of our locations, from the time we open till the time we close. And like I say, hopefully that that same good vibe and energy, you know, rubs off on you, and you can carry it with you throughout mm. the rest of the day, uh, throughout the rest of your week. So yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes we do need to recharge ourselves. We mm-hmm. need to recharge our own vibe and stuff like that. And these types of get-togethers. Where we do, you know, maybe close up a couple hours early yeah. during a, a, a slower time of year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just try to have some fun and fellowship amongst our our distillery family. Uh, we're definitely all about it. We we were able to do one of these as we were going to kick off spring and summer, yeah, the warmer months, and now yeah. here we are in the fall. Um, like this we'll today, the today I don't think it's getting like around 64, 65 degrees for yeah. the high. A nice uh, we're gonna day. have some overnight lows in the the mid to lower 40s. Mm-hmm. So I mean the the fall is definitely in the air. Uh, we've got some great fall flavors coming out. Of course, like Opie mentioned with the pumpkin spice cream. We also have our our fan favorite and just a staple 
amongst flavored moonshine uh, from legal and illegal distillers alike. Uh, of course, I'm referring to a apple pie moonshine, uh, but we also do a smoked apple whiskey, which is a, a really big favorite this time of year. Um, mm-hmm. We have a peanut butter cup whiskey, which is a mm-hmm. year-round favorite, but we definitely see an uptick in sales this time of year because it does remind folks of the classic Reese's Cup mm-hmm. or a Buckeye, if we've got anyone listening from the, the Ohio River Valley, as it were. Um and then we also have a coffee moonshine and a coffee whiskey, but we do have a new product that is going to be a new licensed product coming out, slated to be dropped on Halloween Day on October the 31st. Mm. And I know that you've heard us talk about we have partnered with a company and we have released some licensed products. I am happy to let you know that we finally have gained permission to be able to talk a little bit more i don't want to say in depth but we can actually give you some tangible information about this instead of beating around the proverbial bush and that we have partnered with anthem spirits formerly anthem studios here out of east tennessee and that company works with different intellectual properties in gaining licensing rights and their main focus has of course turned towards alcohol So what they are doing is brokering the licensing rights from these individual IPs and working with us as a distillery to produce licensed spirits Mm -hmm. based off of some of your favorite, uh, in this case, video games and now getting into, with this new release, and to not give it too far away, uh, a very prominent... Uh, cult classic from the 90s in a film Mm. Uh, but the ones that we currently have the one that we started with in partnership with Anthem Spirits and just a reminder this is an Anthem all of these are Anthem Spirits products that are facilitated or made here Mm. uh, through Tennessee Legend Distillery Yeah, and the first one was a four year aged corn rye and barley bourbon released in honor of the 15-year anniversary of the inception of the Assassin's Creed line of of games, mm-hmm. movies, everything that that all that is Assassin's Creed and that is listed as the AC15 bourbon which is fantastic, uh definitely a little bit Sweeter on the front end. Um, The corn is prominent to begin with. You get a little bit of that rye on the back end. Mm. Uh, But it is very smooth, and it is is very tasty for a young four-year-aged bourbon in comparison to the traditional Tennessee Legend Distillery King Snake. It tastes better than the Assassin's Creed movie was. I can say that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> and and while it was a, a good movie, because I actually saw something the other day uh, highlighting that movie, mm-hmm. um, that were saying that while it was not well-received yeah. at the time of its release, it is something that has gained a lot more repeat watches over time, over time and since there has been some space uh, uh, from its original release, because of course... Time with with <laughs> well well with Rotten Tomatoes and and the different critics and stuff like that. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to base their opinions and thoughts 
off of what these other people say. Mm. I personally thought it was a, a good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, there may have been some elements that could have been done a little bit better uh, throughout it, but I mean, for for the entertainment value of what it was, I thought mm-hmm. it was great. And the uh, games are just bar none. Oh, they fantastic! Notch the the well, even just some of the the video types of video game play that mm-hmm. it has spawned, where other studios have tried to replicate. Yeah the type of gameplay and mechanics mm-hmm. that you experience in the Assassin's Creed games uh, uh, for their own platforms, for their own oh, yeah. own story and different the types Lord of, of games. The Lord of the Rings video game, Shadow of Mordor, does not happen without Assassin's Creed. It has the exact same mechanics, the exact same play style. So Assassin's Creed, the video games, paved the way for a lot of modern video games. Absolutely. And the and stories are just fantastic. Oh yeah, good traveling through time. Use the, of the amount of actual history, moments. yes, that you could that you can learn uh, from playing video games. Who says that that playing video games rots your brain? Exactly. I've learned a lot of historical facts and stuff like that from from my playing of video games. Mm-hmm. So, but that one was the first one, the AC15 Bourbon. That one paved way for another product mm-hmm. that we were able to release, and we do still have a few limited edition bottles of this, but we were able to, in partnership with Anthem Spirits, release the Valhalla Edition Vodka, and this is a severely limited edition bottle. It is absolutely beautiful. Make sure you go onto the Tennessee Legend Distillery website, TennesseeLegend.com to be able to see this bottle. Uh, it is a black painted finish bottle that has the. I'm trying to think of the the correct word. The tribal mm. crest. Uh, don't want to. Uh, not a crest. Um, raven. The tribal, mm-hmm. raven, the tribal raven, raven bird. Yeah. Um, that is synonymous with the Valhalla, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful bottle. Most of it black and silver with just made. yes. That is the most important fact. Opie just mentioned that there are only two thousand of these bottles in existence. Period. Mm-hmm. Right now, between all locations, online outlets, all things considered, there are less than fifty bottles still out in circulation that have not been purchased so now this is a thing that like if i can cross a genre to you collectors and you nerds out there that i uh, that i also dabble in that world if you can get yourself one of these bottles and journey to a con where some of these voice actors for this bit for valhalla tend to go to or if you can find uh different voice actors for the Valhalla video game and get them to sign it? Oh, absolutely, because it already comes with a certificate mm-hmm. of authenticity from the head of mm-hmm. Anthem Spirits, as well as our head distiller, signifying the the authenticity, the, the limitedness mm-hmm. of what this product is. And then to top it with some autographs of characters, oof, you'd be sitting on a pretty penny. One thing that I like to, to tout, and, and that you can also, because you helped a little bit with this, mm-hmm. is the actual numbering of these oh, bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were actually three of us in total um, that numbered all 2,000 of these bottles with an in-house laser engraver. 
uh, here at this location yes. that we are that we are recording this from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took us about a week and a half, yeah, close to two weeks to be able to get Three all of people, them numbered. About a week and a half. Um, uh, uh, a definitely daunting and grueling task, especially trying to make sure that you made the number change each time yes. to, to to keep the sequence in order and didn't. i mean we did have we did there were more than two thousand bottles to begin with but we were given a certain allotment mm-hmm. just for errors and stuff like mm-hmm. that uh and unfortunately all those bottles have been destroyed since yeah see that's the thing is because like once we, we couldn't hit the two thousand yeah once we had two thousand good bottles we that was make it a 2001 for like you to keep as a thank you for making it no nope. they destroyed these poor bottles and said yes. no it's 2000 2000 2000 that's it that's what exclusivity means <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean. and, and that's that's it that that is all there is mm-hmm. so um you can still go online there are a few still left through lovescotch.com mm-hmm. if for whatever reason they have sold out by the time that you are hearing this um like i said we have roughly i want to say in this store itself and we pulled some from the other locations yeah. back to be able to get our stock back up here just because we had sold through them more quickly i think in stores we have a total of maybe 30 bottles across the four stores and in this location I think we have 18 of those bottles, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So 12 bottles split between the other three stores, and then the rest of that less than... I, I, it's less than 50 or 60 bottles, or yeah, 50 amongst, or 60 bottles that are left. Amongst the few outlets that you can get it at. Yeah. Um, there's there's not that many to be had, really, much mm-hmm. anywhere else. So um, if you are wanting to get one of those, yes, 100% make sure that you get to one of our locations, uh, two here in Sevierville. One in Cookville, one in Nashville. But, but Mm. you can still, or I can't say you can still, you can now experience the actual vodka that's in one of those limited edition Valhalla bottles Mm -hmm. without the worry of depreciating the value of that limited edition because uh, Anthem Spirits as well as uh, Tennessee Legend have worked together to release a version of the vodka which is the actual vodka that would be in that same limited yeah. bottle but in a not limited bottle yeah. uh, so you can actually enjoy it you can you can see how crisp how clean how almost it seems like uh, to to throw an Adam Sandler quote at you it's still cold still cold um, as to how this it, it doesn't seem natural we can have a bottle of this right next to yeah. our wild man vodka mm-hmm. and it just and they'd be sitting in the same place but it, it just seems like this this Valhalla edition vodka stays of chilled it's the almost. blessing of, of Valhalla and, and Odin and all them uh, it it's has the to be it, it has to be Odin's blessing that, yeah. that this has a, a maintained continuous mm-hmm slight chill. chill to it uh more so than than our other vodka uh which is the tennessee wildman vodka um and if that wasn't enough oh this is if that favorite. wasn't enough this is my favorite one for all of you pirates out there and we're not referring to god rest his soul mike leach from mississippi state um but if you are a spiced rum fan of any kind we were absolutely thrilled, uh, Opie and I, because 
both of us are, are huge just fans of pirate lore and and mm-hmm. pirates of the caribbean we really were uh, a muppet treasure island born 200 years too late yes to to yes to to, to bring back one of our great. legends uh and yes to quote the late great jimmy buffett uh yes i am a pirate 200 years too late but the the spices a mm. little bit more toward the holiday end of spices you get a little bit higher mm-hmm. cinnamon content uh, some nutmeg. There's even a little uh, a star anise uh, yeah. that's present in there. Um, almost kind of a little licorice flavor in there, if you would, as well. But the for an 80 proof spiced rum, mm. so smooth. The it, oh my goodness, so so smooth as Opie just alluded to. Um, but this one gets its name, its design, its and in my opinion the best looking bottle out of the series uh from black flag Mm -hmm. the edward kenway uh as the protagonist for uh what would have been three or four Four. uh, assassin's creed Mm four um and we hopefully at some point in time next year we'll have a another uh product as part of that direct series uh that lineup because um, even though we have kind of hinted to this upcoming Halloween release is not associated with the Assassin's Creed games, we will still in the coming years have some more, more Assassin's, Creed Assassin's Creed products, Creed products yes. drop. Some we don't even know about. Yes, we just told that there are more coming, yes. but we don't know exactly what they are, mm-hmm. what they're in correlation with, but they are part of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah. But as as Opie was was mentioning this other one, and I, like I mentioned earlier, this other one that is coming out on Halloween, mm. uh, like I said, does pull its infor- inspiration. Um, if you <laughs> listening to this, if you were alive during the nineties, yes. um, like I said, you will remember this this inspiration or the film this, that this is uh, this inspired by. Plastic. Um, as yes, one hundred percent a broody cult classic from the nineties. And it's not the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I think that was going back to the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe even getting yeah, that was eighties. It the wasn't 80s. going all the way back to the uh, late seventies or whatnot. Um, but yeah, all of that. Um, just some information to get out to you guys uh, about some of the things that are happening. Um, if you have not been in. We do have one of our employees who is dealing with a a definitely a hard time. Um, she has been someone who has has not been selfish and uh, in her time here, uh, but she's needing a little bit of help. So we have reinstituted Richard's change jar. Richard Frazier, who was one of the founding members of Crystal Falls Spirits and Tennessee Legend Distillery. Um, from the ground up, who we unfortunately lost to a battle with uh, complications from an infected chemo port a few years back. Um, we established a, a change roundup program yes. uh, in his honor to where folks would be able to round up their change to the nearest dollar, which I'm sure you've you know, experienced uh, really since since 2020 mm-hmm. is whenever they became very very prominent uh, because of the change shortages and stuff like that during that time to to change that into a a charitable fund 
for anybody or anything, whether it be within the company or for different organizations throughout the community. Uh, some places like um, uh, the Smoky Bear Rescue, uh, Isaiah 117 House. Um, we've also had some other community uh, um, family, as it were. Uh, Chubby's Deli, who had had some heart and health complications at one point in time. We helped raise some money to be able to uh, afford a new pacemaker for mm -hmm. them. The uh, Appalachian Bear Rescue to be able to provide uh, expanded homes and refuges for orphaned uh, black bear cubs in the community. Um, if you may not know or may have not been or heard about how things like that do go down here in the Smoky Mountains, um, whenever you come to the area, just let them be. Let them do their thing. Because if at any point in time, if there's any sort of interaction directly with a human, most of the time, more than not, it unfortunately ends up with that particular bear being put down. Mm -hmm. And depending on what time of year it is, that could be a mom to cubs. And those cubs, you know, would normally perish like if it were not being, for yeah, these, these uh, organizations like mm -hmm. Appalachian Bear Rescue to come in and provide them with the skills to return them to the wild yeah. uh, so they can take care of themselves with, with as minimal human imprinting as possible uh, just to try to protect them from, from future happenings and them, of course, themselves potentially being put down yeah. after you know being rescued from that type of stuff. Uh, Isaiah 117 House, children that find themselves in a foster situation or being pulled out of an abusive home mm -hmm. life situation, most of the time these kids have to go to a, a, uh, a police station or something like that to be able to stay in until they have been secured a, a foster home or a foster care to be able to go into. And, and this would involve sleeping like on the, on the floor in some police chief's office or, or at, at, a, at a secretary's desk yeah. or on a bench or something like that. So Isaiah House is an organization that even before they they got the actual house built here, there's yeah. the organization is all across the state and mm -hmm. going into other states. Uh, and in these different locations, they have actual had actual physical houses built mm -hmm. to be able to provide a safe space for these kids being pulled out of these negative situations to go into and and not go into as scary a situation because just the fact that they're being pulled away from their parents even if it was an abusive situation that's who they've known as mom yeah. and or dad or whatever the case may be and and it's it's a traumatic experience enough mm -hmm. but if they're able to go to a place that has you know all the lights are on it's clean you, have a you know, you have you you have food. You have you know they're greeted things, with anything. With, well, yeah, and they're that's the thing is they're greeted with being able to give them clothing. Like they have all this stuff stocked there because they get kids, you know, infants, toddlers, all the way up to teenagers that get pulled, you know, out of these bad situations, and they've got all this stuff on hand for boys, girls, you know, if they're you know trying to to explore and and haven't figured it out quite yet mm -hmm. you know there's there's non-binary stuff there mm -hmm. to to be able to like i said it's more than nothing than than to provide them with a safe space mm -hmm. uh especially after experiencing something as traumatic as being pulled out of of a, an abusive or yeah. or negligent situation but saying all that to say this of course like i said the richard's change jar is literally there 
to make change. Yes. A change in someone's life that, that they normally could not do on their own, they couldn't afford on their own, or wouldn't ask for on their own. It, it, not saying that someone's pride would, would get the better of them, mm-hmm. but we've had some employees that we've tried to help with some stuff in the past who yeah. would would vehemently deny some help just Medical because bills, of their... Uh, help with burial of a loved one, um, you know, covering a, a check you've missed. Yes. You know, from from being out. I mean, Richard's Change Jar has changed. And this isn't something to where we're... Lives. Yeah, where we're not like... We're not reaching, and we've also, I mean, with it being October, I mean, we've uh, Paint the Mountains Pink, the mm-hmm. Robert F. Thomas Foundation for mm-hmm. Breast Cancer Awareness. I mean, we have used Richard's Change Jar to to help out with that, and right now, in our Nashville location, we do have a special edition pink Blackberry Moonshine. We do. That a portion of the sales from that will be going to, uh, more than likely, since it is in Nashville, will go to a Nashville area research uh, foundation for breast cancer awareness. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean the the change isn't just talking about rounding your change up. It is of course making a change for someone, and we're not doing something like posting a a, a, a GoFundMe page no. saying you know give me a dollar, give me five dollars, no. give me ten, twenty, whatever the case may be. This is just hey, do you want to carry around loose change mm-hmm. or hey, you know would you care to just round, round it up to? Yeah. The yes. thirteen cents, the yeah. fifty-two cents, yeah. the the sixty-four cents, whatever it whatever may it be, is, yeah. and nine times out of ten, those people either don't want to deal with the coin if they're paying by cash, or if they're you know trying to track their transactions, they're like, oh, it's an even dollar amount. I don't mm-hmm. have to do the additional math to worry about the the coins and stuff. So heck yeah, but yeah, um, that entire program we will be, uh, like I said, trying to uh, collect funds. For one of our employees who is experiencing some health issues right now, um, and believe it or not, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it: she has a prosthetic leg, and that mm-hmm. is where some of the issues came in is with the prosthetic and 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 how her leg was reacting and stuff like that with the usage of the prosthetic. But she's running circles around circles some of the employees of <laughs> that that we've had that here uh, in the past yeah. and stuff like that that have both fully functioning legs mm-hmm. and like i hard said worker. i mean she's sweetheart. a very hard worker uh yes a sweetheart uh, a heck of a person mm-hmm. and and doesn't ask a lot um doesn't even like if you didn't actually see it and know you would think oh. she just walked with a limp yeah because you you wouldn't be able to otherwise tell that that she's yeah you know operating with a prosthetic so mm. but yeah um, all kinds of stuff coming up it is this time of year um, not to get too far ahead and not to waste too much time because we know the real reason that you are in for this episode and that is to hear all Squatch about the squatch hunting <laughs> exploits with cousin Timmy uh, especially after this first episode and all the the amazing stories that he was mm. telling about his time as a paranormal investigator as well as a a a haunted house connoisseur yes or producer or and uh he even wrote the book he on it. literally wrote literally the book, wrote the book, on, book it. on it he has a book uh, uh, multiple which books be, which will be posted uh in the the notes of this episode as well uh on some of his exploits and things that you can uh, check out you can purchase from him you can learn more about cousin timmy's 
uh, all the all the different genres and avenues that he dives into. Um, he is uh, also, of course, a local performer. A lot of you will hear his name and you'll know wh- where he's at, but uh, definitely come down to the Sevier County area and look up Cousin Timmy if you happen to run into him after a show or at the show he's at. You know, tell him tell him you listened to his interview on Between Two Barrels podcast. Yep. And guys, without further ado, here is the second half and the the squatching mm-hmm. part of the episode with Cousin Timmy, myself, and Opie. This segment of Between Two Barrels is brought to you by the Smoky Mountain Rainforest Adventures. Located in the heart of the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee near Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge lies the Rainforest Adventures Zoo, which is open year-round with lots to see and do. Themed by one of the nation's finest zoological contractors, a former Animal Kingdom zoologist of Disney World, the Rainforest Adventure Zoo features over 600 live animals representing over 130 species. It is home to unique and beautiful creatures from both tropical and temperate climates alike, including reptiles, birds, mammals, and even the ever so popular and exotic axolotl. Book your visit today at rfadventures.com or stop by and see them at 109 NASCAR Drive in Sevierville, Tennessee. And when you do, tell them Tennessee Legend Distillery sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. You're currently listening to our legendary friends and personal spirit guides, Brian and Opie, at the Between Two Barrels podcast. After you're done, head on over to the 30 and Nerdy podcast and give us a listen. Life as a nerd moves pretty fast these days, so tune in and keep up with us as we dive into all aspects of nerd culture. From Marvel in DC to Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Dive into the ever-growing world of pop culture with us, Tyler Mack and Josh Davis. Cheers to you, nerds. Switching gears because we know that you don't have a whole lot of time before you're going to have to leave us today. Yeah. Um, Just want to touch a a little bit on the world of cryptids, uh, namely Bigfoot. Um, Tyler's told me that you have done some squatching, of course, you know, before we actually started recording, uh, talking to us about having met and hung out with several of the cast members of Finding Bigfoot and stuff like that. So uh, let's just dive into that for a few minutes. Okay. Um, Back in, back when I was about 12 years old, I heard about Roger Patterson. Yeah. And the uh, Patterson Patterson Gimlin uh, Bigfoot film and there was a film that came out don't remember the exact title but it was about Bigfoot and it was uh, was the first thing I'd ever heard about Bigfoot and what is Bigfoot Uh, and for years I think what has uh, hurt the validity of that cryptid is fact that most people think there's only one of them <laughs> right and he's walking all from over one the end of the country to the other like santa claus <laughs> he managed to do it in one day frodo to mordor this yeah. dude's going like all <laughs> over the place exactly um also most of it his most of the books were uh 
sent back to the paranormal section of the mm-hmm. bookstore. Right. Uh, and it wasn't until, and, and I've always loved Bigfoot. Uh, matter of fact, I got to see the Minnesota Iceman. Now, your, your, your listeners can look up the Minnesota Iceman. It was a uh, an attraction that went from place to place, mm-hmm. usually set up in shopping centers. So when I was about 16, my buddy called me. He had a car, and he had his license. So we always ran around together. We played in a bluegrass band together, too. He said, hey, they got this thing called a Minnesota Iceman. It's like a big ape or something, frozen ice. said, uh, they got it up at Mason's. Let's go look at it. So we went up there, and for a dollar, you could walk around this refrigerated freezer thing with a block of ice with this animal in it. And it wasn't until years later I thought, okay, could I have seen Bigfoot? Because there wasn't anyone else there wanting to look at it, so the guy said, take all the time you want. So we, I spent a lot of time looking at it. And you could see little bubbles. Uh, that It was about seven and a half to eight feet tall. And it's what you would imagine Bigfoot to look mm-hmm. like. And it's frozen like this. You can probably pull it up, Minnesota Iceman, and see the pictures. Um, years later, they said they debunked it uh, because uh, it showed up without the ice and it was a rubber thing. But there was also a story which was verified that when the guy that was displaying it tried to take it into Canada, they wouldn't let him cross international border with a dead body so he went and had an artist create one in rubber and freeze it in ice and took it up there that was the story what I saw I have always believed was legit Mm -hmm. and it didn't occur to me later that I could have seen a Bigfoot so um, I have never seen Bigfoot or a Bigfoot Mm -hmm. Start with we got to start talking. Stop talking about it like in a singular. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, an animal. It's a race of animals. It's a race of animals. They've already lived yeah. uh, on Earth. Uh, they're a relic. Mm-hmm. I believe this. These are my beliefs about Bigfoot. I believe they exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, every culture, every country, every continent has a version of this animal. Whether it be Yeti, uh, Skunk Ape. Yeah, yeah. The the urine, the the uh, abominable snowman. Yeah. yeah. They're all the same. Tennessee wild man. Yeah. The wood booger up in Bristol. Wood booger, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, every Native American tribe, every Indian tribe, mm-hmm. American Indian tribe, uh, has stories about them. The Cherokee call it Sul Kalu. Yeah. And uh, it means the slant eyed one. It was, uh, yeah, um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory no, manner, yeah, but, but, but that's, that's what it uh, translates as. Yeah. Um, and um, all these cultures have their stories about it, and they've been seen for years. You go back to newspaper articles that talk about wild men, uh, huge wild men, and, you know, even the Bible talks about the Nephilim. Some people believe the Nephilim are, are involved in the yeah. Bigfoot story. But I think uh, when I read Lauren Coleman's book, Lauren Coleman is one of the top 
zip, uh, crypto, zipto, <laughs> crypto, <laughs> cryptozoologists. cryptozoologists in the country, and he wrote a book called The uh, North American Ape. Uh-huh. And um, these animals um, start with, there is fossil record for the uh, Gigantopithecus blackie, mm-hmm. which was an Asian, uh, it was based in the Asian continent. They were a seven to eight foot tall, upright walking ape. Mm-hmm. And there is fossil record, not a lot, but enough where they've, you know, they've they been able to determine they did exist. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, up in Gray, Tennessee, they have a fossil dig up there. Mm-hmm. They found gray panda teeth, red panda teeth. Uh, red pandas aren't indigenous to America. No. Uh, it's an Asian. Uh, they, so they believe when the land bridge existed, uh, they came over and they think uh, what we have is Bigfoot or Sasquatch here in this country might have uh, immigrated with them. Uh, start with I think the species is a very hardy animal uh, it's a lot smarter than most animals um, I don't think it's a hybrid human anything like that I think it's a very smart animal I mean we've got uh, they've taught gorillas to sign language yeah so uh, our simian uh, counterparts are very intelligent they very say there's only like four percent chromosome difference between us and a chimpanzee right um but um they they live in groups and families uh like any other animal and people go well, why don't we find bodies well who's found a anybody found a black bear body in the smokies no nope. no nope. because they get picked and eaten and yeah and beavers eat this is the circle of life yeah, exactly you know? <laughs> they they showed a video of put they laid a deer out on the ground staked it down and put a camera on it a time-lapse camera and it rots and then you see it get picked clean by scavengers and then the bugs and then other things and the bones get scattered so you don't find they don't find yeah. they don't find skeletons of or bodies of chimpanzees in the rainforest or wherever yeah. you know they so and they're a very smart animal they also believe that they bury their dead we uh, do yeah and uh i hope like nate bargazzi was talking about digging a hole <laughs> he said it's just simple as you just gotta dig a hole put the tree in he said you ever dug a hole it's not that simple <laughs> it's not nope that simple. nope <laughs> but um and with, they believe there might be a breeding population of between four and six thousand in the in North America. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I believe we have them in the Smokies. Um, well, I, I mean, you were talking about whenever the the landmass was yeah. was all together. I mean, the Smoky Mountains are the same mountain range that you find throughout. Scotch Irish, yeah, yeah. Appalachian so, I mean, the, the Celtic mountain range are the same mountain range. Now, yeah. most of it's underwater. And the Appalachian Mountains runs all the way into New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, they're a relic that has already existed on Earth. I think uh, we find we find new species every year. Every About year. forty new species a year, and they believe there's as many as maybe forty thousand that we have not. That's just on land. Yeah. I mean, look at what we don't know about yeah. our sea. Uh, they a recent find was the billy ape. Well, a recent finds a mountain gorilla. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we accept gorillas as they've been. Uh, we've always known about them, but uh, who's to say that that's not a, a, a evolutionary Offset. period through you know what? like the Gigantopithecus turned into, and at some point this you know Bigfoot Yeti, however. Was was a stop along that that process, yes. mm-hmm. but they a branch. Yeah, it was a branch, and then that one just decided to continue in that, mm-hmm. you know, lifestyle in that way, and it never really adapted and changed. Kind of like how you see a lot of the the um, tribes in the Congo or in in you know deepest darkest Africa and these different islands and stuff that have never really experienced anything mm-hmm. past that. But this is the way that they've been living because they decided to. To veer away from any type of, of advancement or, or you know, yeah. it's like uh, furtherment. Mbe Michele, that mm-hmm. uh, dinosaur that they believe these, uh, or the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, it's like you a know, plesiosaur. A plesiosaur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't believe in everything out there, but I do believe. I think there's something to the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, these things that <coughs> could have existed like that, but whenever it comes to something like. Mothman, or like there's lizard a, man. The, there's a pot- dog man. potential that these things could, but, yeah. but it doesn't seem like there's as much uh, actual founded little... in reality for these types of things. Whereas with you know uh, uh, Sasquatch, there's a lot Sasquatch of Sasquatch or, or Loch Ness monster yeah. that that there is a <laughs> just a, a reminiscent of mm-hmm. a, a time far gone past that is still that you know, survived. Active. Yeah. And plus, I've always been a firm believer, kind of like humans who are like on the run or want to stay off the grid. If something, if something doesn't want to be found, it won't be found. Let me tell you, uh, whenever I have discussions or sometimes arguments, people will people get right bent out of shape over the fact that you believe in an ape that walks around on its hind legs. Um, here's a fact that Lloyd Pye who's a Bigfoot researcher out of Louisiana mm-hmm. uh, came up with they searched for the panda in China for 60 years before they found one they had stories of a black and white bear that lived in the their forests and after about 30 years somebody came up with a pelt of one and then another 30 years I mean the Chinese government sponsored expeditions to find pandas what's now and now this is something that's a reality now. In, yeah. yeah and here you got a, a stark black and white animal that lives in an environment that's totally green bright green lush mm-hmm. yeah and it's not very smart mm-hmm. and it's not very fast still it managed to elude humans for 60 years once they heard about it at one point it was considered a legend so here we have Bigfoot which um, their coloring blends in with their environment. They're a lot smarter than the panda. They can adapt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the Himalayas, you've got the Yeti and the Himalayas. Um, and here's what else is interesting to me. If you, they, the BFRO, they categorize sightings. Mm-hmm. And uh, ones in the, the mountains and stuff, they usually try to have an elevation with it. Well, the elevation changes along with the seasons. 
Yeah. Okay. Like in the warmer seasons, the, the people see them higher up elevation. Darker, uh, or the colder seasons, they... Well, being covered in hair, I mean, yeah, you don't want to get overheated. In the Hence summer, the you're going to be lower, yeah. <laughs> but that just makes sense like normal animals. If you look yeah. at all the correlation... Uh, migration. Yeah. Yeah. Seasonal look at migration. all the correlation between them and normal animals. But, uh, and I also tell people... Or even old people going further south for oh, the winter. Well. <laughs> Everybody does it. Uh, yeah, all the uh, all the bigfoot in Florida are gray. <laughs> they've, they've been shaved down and taught to speak. They've moved down there for uh, retirement. Um, well, also, I always look at. I always tell people this, and they go, "Well, all these pictures are all blurry." You know, even. Mitch Hedberg. He's uh, just a blurry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think uh, Bigfoot's blurry. He, uh, Bigfoot's blurry. It's not the photographer's fault. <laughs> uh, but uh, think about this though: if only one, if out of the thousands of blurry photos, shaky videos, and all this, even even uh, just recounts by people who've seen them, mm-hmm. if only one of those is real, that uh, means they exist. That's yeah. It's harder to disprove they exist than it is to. Oh, it's easier to uh, uh, prove, prove they, they exist, exist than pr- say than they don't say exist. Don't. Yeah, and I believe I don't have to. You know, as a Christian, I believe God exists. I have faith that God exists, and uh, I'm sort of that way. Don't take this the wrong way. I'm sort of that way when I think of the existence of Bigfoot I have a belief that they exist I don't have to have visual proof now I have visual proof that God exists because this amazing world all Mm -hmm. around us you wake up in the morning look toward the smoky mountains and man especially this morning dude that's one of the most beautiful pictures of the smokies I've seen since February this year gorgeous beautiful morning and uh what was it? Uh, Ronald Reagan said, "You can't possibly look at a gourmet meal and say there was no chef." Right. Absolutely. I mean, I absolutely am, am a firm believer. I've never went squ- squatching. I've always wanted to go squatching. But like, you know, uh, when we had Mike Howard, who who we all know, in here, he said for paranormal investigating, there's thousands of miles of footage where there's just nothing, and you're just sitting, and you're yeah. So what is a night of squatching like? I haven't done any overnight mm-hmm. camp out. Uh, I've gone on investigations. I would say the night investigations are very much like, uh, you know, Bobo yeah. and, and Matt yeah. do, uh, which it was really cool getting to know those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what I have, the investigations I've done, like when people have contacted East Tennessee Bigfoot. Matt uh, Sieber usually sends me out to check on things. Uh, I found, I went up in the woods with a friend of mine, Jimmy Thurmer. It was the first time I'd ever met Jimmy. And Jimmy had an interest slightly in Bigfoot, but he's he grew up in the woods. Mm. Not me. He's like a wild man or something. He was raised by wolves or. or well, whatever. you you know, like you can see a tree and you know that an animal's like rubbed up against yeah. it. You know the tail signs and stuff like that and while walking through an area you're familiar with. He will see a muskrat footprint, 
and know what it is and say, oh, look, there's muskrat. What? That? Yeah. I could okay. tell you where it went, you know, he when it stopped, scat. that stuff, yeah. Like and I don't mean Scatman Crothers. Actual scat. Poo. Poo. He knows poo. He's a cropologist. No, Jimmy's, his family. A defecationista. His family raised him spending a lot of time in the woods learning about stuff. So The land. He called, he called East Tennessee Bigfoot and he said he had access to some property in uh, Rockford. Mm-hmm. There's a fenced off area of property. It's private property. It's a bunch of acres. You don't realize how big it is, but it's fenced off. Nothing's in there. Uh, it's owned by a family. And he had access to it. Um, because the deer would practically walk up to you because they don't know humans to be a, afraid of you. Yeah. Right. So he said he was up there and he heard some tree knocks. And he heard a whoop from one side of the ridge to another and then a reply. He found what looked like a nest. So he called us. Well, I went over and met him and we went up in the woods together. And um, we went all the way up to this ridge. So along the way, we kept finding, we, we found a, a nest, and it wasn't the same one. Uh, it was a, a bunch of bushes and brush that something had slept on, something big. Mm-hmm. And then we found a tree that at about six feet, there was a scratch area. Just, just about size, uh, I don't know, a, a uh, rectangle about 18 inches. Like a dartboard? Long, yeah. Only just a, a rectangular okay. area. Yeah. They've been scratched. Then about three feet up, there's another one. Three feet up, there was another one. It's really weird. I've never seen anything like it. Measuring height? Could be, you know, like in case the one uh, Sasquatch... Robbed a convenience. Right. <laughs> Snap his picture on the way out. Junior's uh, growing. This is yeah. his markings along the door frame. There you go. Um, we also found a, this was the weirdest thing. We found a deer bone, like a, a, a leg bone mm-hmm. that with gnaw marks, on, chew, chew marks on it. And it was leaned up against a tree. Like it was just that's not an intelligent, or that's not a non-intelligent yeah. placement. And that's I'm the one that placement. saw it. I'm the one that found it. So I and I trust Jimmy. He didn't go up in there and place yeah. a bunch of stuff. When we got to the top of the ridge, we found a tree structure bigger than I've ever seen. There was good-sized dead trees in a put together in a teepee fashion. Yeah. Now this place is cordoned out with a big chain-link fence. Kids didn't start with. Kids couldn't lift these logs that were part of this thing. Uh, we did hear tree knocks when we first got into the into the area. Uh, we didn't find any footprints. There was not anything that like any muddy areas where we could differentiate a print, possibly, or uh, it was all really grassy. But. Uh, and then Jimmy went on another, he joined our, our group at that point, and uh, he went on another uh, 
investigation with me. We've done some. I've done a couple in Cosby. Mm. Matter of fact, I think we've done three up there. And one of my favorites in Cosby. Uh, we a guy called in, and um, there was a trackway of footprints in mud. Um, Bill Crosby is who called me or who called us and he met me up there so down this road from about here to the other side over there mm -hmm. uh, was a set of footprints from mud and they're about 18 inches long but there was only a right foot there was no left foot it's like something stepped in mud with its left foot and tracked it down the road okay uh which i don't know if a f somebody faking something would think of that it's like people say well that that patterson gimlin film's fake you can see the zipper start with there is no zipper you can't see a zipper they've heard that right uh and uh and who would think of putting breasts on a bigfoot costume right uh, you know, Phil Morris, my, I had a good friend, Phil Morris, Morris Costumes, that wrote a book that he claimed he made the suit for the Patterson-Gimlin film, which I know, and I love Phil. Uh, Phil since passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, we went over to see him about a year before he passed away. Uh, and I love Phil, but he didn't make that suit because Phil couldn't make a suit like that back in, back in the uh, 60s, yeah. early 60s, I think. Uh, because we didn't have the, you didn't have four-way stretch uh, fur. Right. And the Henson people say back in those days they did not have the technology to make a suit like that, especially when... You didn't have like the, the, the different foam, you know, all the different you, elements you weren't muscles. there to... Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, Bob Hieronymus, who claims to be in Phil's suit, he couldn't even tell, he gave three different locations... And then he talked about the suit. He gave three different versions of what it was made out of. When you're telling a lie, you have to remember stories. Exactly. Uh, and I believe Bob Gimlin. I've never met Bob Gimlin. I watched a lot of videos where Bob's talked about he and Roger's uh, experience up there. And I know Roger, what's hurt that is Roger had a passion to make a, a film about something and they think, well, he, you know, but he didn't have, he was broke. He couldn't afford one of Phil's regular gorilla suits, much less one that was specially made that had muscles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's my thing about the Patterson-Gimlin film. When you're watching the film, you see they've turned, they've named her Patty from Patterson. Mm -hmm. You see Patty walk along that dry riverbed and when she turns toward the camera, her shoulders turn. Because apes don't have that much of a neck. Their shoulders butt up against. So they have to turn their shoulders to look to one side. They can't just, they glance to one side very uh, short amount of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, my friend Debbie Eller pointed something out to me. She said, when I watched the Gimlin film, and I asked Dr. Meldrum, Jeffrey Meldrum, uh, yeah. about this, yeah. if anyone else had ever come up with this. And she said, when you're watching the film, Patty never looks down to see where she's going. 
she knows that terrain. Right. She's walked that terrain. A human in a costume is going to be looking down the whole time because there's... You don't want to trip. Yeah, and there's broken sticks and sharp rocks and snakes or whatever. And uh, I never even... That's never, never crossed my mind at any point. Me neither. I look down walking in here, and I work here every day. um, And I asked Dr. Meldrum about that, and he said someone else that he had heard had a similar comment, but it's very rare that people observe that, and that that's very indicative of something in its home terrain. And... um, the Bill Munn's film on the Patterson-Gimlin film, yeah. he stabilized it. He had access. Uh, Patterson made two copies of the print. One copy was, was copied a million times. And by the time you get to like the 10th generation, copies of copies, it's like your it's old Christmas videos when you were five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, uh, Patterson's wife kept one in a safe. And uh, she allowed Bill Munn access to it, and they photographed every single frame. And in each frame, they stabilized Patty, stabilized the picture. Because when you see the original, it's the camera's yeah, bouncing. Jumped, and well, he fell yeah. off his horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he grabs a camera. I would too if I'd have seen <laughs> something off. like that going through the middle of the. I, I'd have my horse running in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Um, so he's running with the camera. So it's hard to really see uh, what it is till he finally stops and he gets some really good footage of her walking along the that dry riverbed. And then sh- she ends up, there's longer sections to that. See, that's the thing is most people have it cut. Like if they you look that up on YouTube just today, the one small it's yeah. all that little small segment. But she walks up a little hill and into the woods. Um so Bill Munns stabilized that video and it was had tons more detail and scientists you know Meldrum I think and others have found there's a a lump on the back of Patty's leg like a tumor or a a, oh. a, a, a hernia uh, there are no zippers and people say well why is the bottom of her feet white well, if you walk barefooted through dirt, you're you're just you're constantly shaving off layers of skin, walking through and stuff and it's like gonna that. Be it's always going to be yeah. It's going to have dust and, and mud and Dead stuff like skin. that. Uh, and who knows? They might uh, underneath all that fur that its skin could be white or light, uh, like mm-hmm. a, a polar bear. Yeah. And they've seen different colors of uh, fur on Bigfoot. Reds, they, browns. Red, gray. Yeah. They see a lot of gray, uh, I guess, which is uh, indicative Potentially of age. older, yeah. And uh, they do, they believe they have family structures. Yeah. Uh, they got to. It, there's, there has to be enough for a breeding population. That's why everybody uh, casts doubt on uh, the Loch Ness Monster uh, because uh, uh the there has to be so many of them to have a breeding population yeah, right for it to perpetuate yeah the one that was seen years ago would be dead by now yes. right you would think uh, so it's just uh, one Nessie 
Yeah. It's, 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 it's immortal. Gained thing. an immortal, yeah. So, anyway, that I firmly believe in Bigfoot. I, I hope. Uh, I would like to have proof, but I don't have to have proof. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think someday, I mean, we're seeing a lot of UFO stuff going on right now like we've never seen before. Like yeah. how much of that is a distraction? I mean, I know from the, the political aspect yeah. of things, but yeah. how much is that to say we're trying to distract you from something else that we may have discovered That's or found or time. whatever yeah. the case may be? So exactly. this is a little bit more acceptable right now, so we're going to put that in Yeah, your we face. don't want you to know we found the Leviathan, so we'll tell you UFOs are real. <laughs> right. Well, and, and also you hear stories of uh, Army doctors who have treated Bigfoot. Uh, they've found been uh, in a fire. Military is very aware of of a I lot of things. Teddy was yeah. very aware of Sasquatch. That, we actually, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, oh, he played a video he, the other day of that encounter. Yeah. That's why the the national parks were established were to create sanctuaries for cryptids. Yeah, um, and Just why you up. see Just why you up. see a lot of people go missing in national parks and not a lot of stuff gets said about it because they wind up getting either pulled into these caves by like a, a, a Wendigo Wendigo or something along those lines a feral Bigfoot yeah you know one that's not you know living in that that societal which they may even have outcasts themselves that turn into more negative or nefarious beings so well there's this one guy who claimed he was kidnapped yeah and spent time with a family of them and they were encouraging him to procreate with the female interesting Crazy. This has been fantastic. We could talk for hours, but we know that that you have you've got other obligations, other obligations. and we definitely <laughs> don't want to keep you from from the. And we definitely want to have you back on. Okay, um, I'd love to. Uh, thank you for for absolutely yes this jumping in here with fantastic. us and talking with us. Uh, we uh, if you do something for Halloween, we can talk more about uh, haunted attractions. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Might have to find a, a time one year here in the next couple of years to maybe do a, a haunted distillery. Haunted distillery. Uh, still blew up back in the day well, and yeah. killed a famous Because Timmy distillery. actually wrote the book on it. So That's, <laughs> That's right. Very good. Actually, yeah. I've uh, ended up writing three books on haunted attractions. There's a complete haunted house book, the haunted mm-hmm. house sketchbook, and my third one was make your house everything you ever haunted. Nice. And, uh, and we'll put... Uh, anything still currently available? Uh, the make your house everything you ever haunted, I still have some copies of it. Not a lot, uh, but uh, I can... Uh, and people just go to your Facebook and... Yes and no. Um, I'll leave you uh, information. Yes, that you please can do. Yeah, we'll just make sure I'll and put, put that in, in the notes. description. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Absolutely. Well, thank you very awesome. much. Thank you, guys. I had a blast. Nice seeing y'all again. It's good Absolutely. to see you. Absolutely. And make sure you get time to watch the new Haunted Mansion. Yes. I, I, I'm going to try to do that very soon. Uh, we've been rehearsing uh, nonstop. It is so, that time of year for this town. So and I get is. I get home and I can barely walk up the steps at night and then <laughs> doing rehearsals and then doing multiple shows. Bob's Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, another yeah, one. I know everybody loves Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is fantastic. <laughs> Great show. You're gonna have to get on the kick, man. I know. Yeah. I know. I Great know. writing. Yeah, it is. It's uh, one of the funnier shows out there. Favorite episode, real quick, before we get out of here. Oh, I love all their Halloween episodes. I love where the uh, orthodontist was going along stealing kids' oh, yes. uh, Halloween candy. Um, Mike and I absolutely love the Beef Squatch episode. Yeah. That's one of the ones that we just can't get past. I'll try to get on, on the... And the, the Thanksgiving... The Thanksgiving episode. Indecent Thanksgiving proposal. 
Lance. What's that? He names the turkey Lance. Oh. Yeah, it's the <laughs> indecent Thanksgiving proposal. Uh, he goes to his landlord, uh, or Fish Odor comes to them, the, the landlord comes to them and wants to use Linda and the kids as his family to be able I've to... I've seen that one. Yeah. I've, uh, there's some episodes I've seen. That's I've great seen some stuff. Episodes. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining Absolutely. us, Tim. Absolutely, 100%. Thank, Thank you, guys. Sir. I hope and y'all have a happy Halloween. Yes. We will. We and will. on behalf of Belo, I am Opie. Cheers to you, legends. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com where you can find links to all of our different locations as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.